Let's take our Bibles, please, turn to Acts chapter 2. Our lesson won't be real long tonight. It's the second part of last week's on our salvation. I just didn't want to stretch last week's with so much information. It would have just overloaded us. So tonight we're just going to take a few minutes to look at baptism as part of uh, the second part of that study. And if you look at, if you happen to look at that handout that we use for discipleship of, of a new believer, um, you will find that it's the exact same as our lesson. Brother Connor just took it right out of the Continued Discipleship book, and that's what we're doing is the Continued Discipleship. So he just took it right out of there and kind of customized it. So you will see, uh, if, you can't, if, you miss, if you miss me saying one of the blanks, just look in here, you'll find the answer, all right? So, uh, but look tonight, uh, continue Acts chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 37. And Acts chapter 2, of course, is the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, we know that Peter stood up and was filled with the Holy Ghost, and the Bible says he preached, and every man, whether they were Medes or Persians or from Macedonia, wherever they were from, they heard the gospel in their own language. And that's the proper interpretation of what speaking in tongues is. It's not some unheard of gibberish. It's not some funny sound that you hear somebody make and doesn't and nonsensical. But I believe that Peter just spoke in Koine Greek. And they heard it in their own language. And I think that's the power of the Holy Spirit communicating the Word of God to the hearts of these people. And uh, so let's, let's look tonight at verse 37. And Peter has just finished preaching the gospel to this crowd. And he says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. By the way, you are part of the afar off. I believe that. It's to you, it's to your children, and to those that are far off. And so thank God that the gospel is still powerful today. Verse 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, to every man had need, or as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So now we have a little photograph, don't we, of the early church and what was happening after the day of Pentecost. 3,000 accept Christ, and they that gladly received his word, those that were saved, were then baptized immediately upon their profession of faith and as a profession of faith. The Bible says from that point on, they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And they loved to fellowship with one another. It says they went house to house, breaking of bread and fellowshipping with one another. And, and so we just see the, the early church was knit together by the word of God and by their love for one another. And so let's have a word of prayer tonight and we'll get right into our study. Father, help us as we uh, seek to understand the very simple doctrine of baptism, and yet it is so lost on so many people. Lord, so many churches today don't 
they've, they've made their own form of baptism. And they've made it a means of salvation. And so many things have been added to this, this important doctrine. But I pray that you just help us to sort through it, to understand it, and just take what Jesus said. And Lord, apply it to our hearts and lives tonight, we pray. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. At the top of your notes there, one of the things that we probably get asked the most is, why should I be baptized? The reason we get asked that is because as Baptists, we don't believe that baptism does anything regarding your salvation. You are saved and you go to heaven. Baptism is a profession of that faith. The criminal on the cross was never baptized, and yet Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. It was the faith that he had in Jesus Christ that saved his soul. So some might say, well, why do I need to be baptized? And many will put baptism off for a long time as a result of, uh, of not seeing the necessity of it. But baptism is a step of obedience. It's important that we are obedient to the Lord. And I, I sometimes, I put it this way, and I don't know if this is a, a good way to put it or not, but I think, you know, if, if I am willing to go into a room full of people and stand before them in a goofy-looking gown and get dunked underwater. And, and, and if you've grown up in church, it just seems normal to you. But think about the visitor that comes on the first time they come to church and they see a baptism for the first time. Hey, what is going on here? I mean, there's a guy up there in a blue dress being dunked by a guy in a white dress in a tank of water. What's a tank of water doing in a church? And, and so if they don't have a basic concept, it seems like the strangest thing in the world to them but to us, it's just normal. But just put yourself in those shoes for a moment. But I think it's like this. It's the Lord says, if you're willing to do that for me, if you're willing to obey me in this thing that seems so strange to the world, then you'd be willing to obey me in almost anything. And so it is that first step of obedience. It is that profession of faith that we make. And the Bible says that we are to obey the Lord and demonstrate that we're going to obey his commandments. And so he gives us one right at the start. And it's more than just obedience, it also identifies us. And we're going to look at that in a minute. John 15, 14 says this, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Obedience is paramount in the Christian life. And so while baptism is not a part of salvation, it's an important step of obedience to Christ. And by following the Lord and believers' baptism, you are obeying Christ and showing others that you are glad that He is your Savior. So let's look at Roman numeral 1. Number 1. Baptism is an identification. Baptism is an identification. Baptism identifies you with Jesus Christ, letter A. Baptism identifies you with Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that baptism is a symbol. It's an outward expression of an inward decision. So you are saved, but the way we profess that is through baptism publicly to others. So in the life of every Christian, baptism is an important first step of obedience to God that declares to others your faith in Christ. When you got married, you put a ring on a person's finger, your, your husband or your wife. That is your mark of identification. That says you are married now. It's a symbol. That's all it is. And, and it, it reminds people, it tells people that you have a spouse at home. And so that, that is a mark of identification, and that's what baptism does with us. It identifies us with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Look at Romans chapter 6. I'm going to start reading while you're turning there, so we're not here all night, but let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not 
that so many of us, as we're baptized into Jesus Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So I want you to notice a couple things that we see here. First of all, he says in Romans chapter 6, Paul is writing to the church at Rome, when you are baptized, you are being baptized into his death. So when we baptize somebody, a lot of times we use different words, different preachers use different words or formats, but often we'll say buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Death is a baptism is a burial of sorts, and we use water as, as the Lord used water and was baptized by water immersion. There's another word that's very important in those verses. It's the word likeness, likeness, things that are alike are not exactly, necessarily, exactly the same. And so there are those, for example, when, uh, when we practice the Lord's table, they will say, well, when you take the, when you take the, the bread or the broken uh, wafer, you are at literally eating the body of Christ. That's what they believe. That's called transubstantiation. But we believe it is like the body of Christ. It is only a symbol. And baptism, in the same regard, is a symbol. You aren't actually dying. You are being buried with Christ in a symbolic fashion. And the Bible says when you're raised from the dead in a symbolic fashion, you have a new life. Why is that important? Because if you were literally being buried and literally being raised up, then baptism would be necessary for your salvation. But he says when we are raised from the water, it is a likeness and in the same way he is resurrected, here's what it says, literally, uh, you have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection to walk into new life. And so it's a picture of what has happened inwardly. When you accepted Christ, you became a new creature in Christ. You were born again. You have new life in Christ. All those phrases that we like to pull from Scripture and describe the Christian life. But baptism is just simply a picture. He uses the word likeness four different times in Romans chapter 6. So baptism is your way of saying to everyone, Jesus saved me, and I'm not ashamed, and I'm now living for him. Not only that, baptism identifies you with the local church. Think about an initiation. Initiation is your way into something. It's a, maybe sometimes a test that you have to take to, to pass to get into it. Baptism is your initiation or your test to enter the local church. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 that we already read, it says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and added unto them. And the Bible says later on that 3,000 were added. And later on it says, In such daily as should be saved. And so baptism adds us to the local church. It is what brings us in to the fellowship of the local church. Now, uh, let me just do this as an aside. You won't find this in your notes. Does anybody know where the name Baptist came from? It was over this battle right here. We were originally called Anabaptist. There's a lot of Anabaptist groups out there. But the Anabaptists were the ones that stood against uh, the Catholics baptizing babies. And the Protestants baptizing babies. 
And so we said, somebody would come to the Baptist church and they say, well, I'd like to join your church. I believe I've accepted Christ. And I want to be a part of the church. He says, well, that's great. Let's baptize you. So, well, I've already been baptized. I was baptized as a baby. I hear that all the time. I was baptized as a baby. I was baptized as a baby at St. John's Anglican Church. I was baptized as a baby. He said, well, you don't understand. We're gonna, we have to baptize you to identify one with Jesus Christ and also with our local church, that you believe our doctrine, that you believe that salvation is by grace through faith alone. You're identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you're going to become a part of our church. And so the word Anabaptist meant to re-baptized. It was not, a, it was not something that, uh, that the Baptists said, well, we're going to be called a Baptist church. It was an insult. Those bunch of re-baptizers over there. Don't, you don't want to go to that place. They rebaptize everybody, so they got the name Anabaptist. And there's a lot of groups over the years that have come out of the Anabaptist movement, and uh, we retain the name today as a Baptist church. And so there might be others that come from a church and say, well, I was, I was baptized as an adult. Oh, but what kind of doctrine do they preach? Do they believe in salvation by grace through faith alone? Oh, they believe they have to have works to be saved? No, I'm sorry, that's not a Bible gospel preaching church, and so we will rebaptize you to bring you into the fellowship of the local church. And so it hinges around the gospel. And the gospel is, of course, 1 Corinthians 15, right? Christ died according to, for, for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose the third day according to the scriptures. And that's exactly what baptism pictures, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Think about this. Baptism does not picture the death, the burial, the resurrection, and your good works. It doesn't picture that. So that cannot be part of salvation if our baptism does not picture. Because baptism is a picture of what happened when Christ died to pay the price for our sins. And so we are Baptists. So there are some reasons that it's important to be baptized. Let me read Acts chapter 8 to you very quickly. Verse 36. I think the reference is right there in your notes. Acts chapter 8 verse 36 says this. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said... See, here is water. So the Ethiopian eunuch, and of course, Philip. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And so let me give you three important reasons to be baptized. Number one, Christ commands it. In your notes, you'll have a number one, Christ commands it. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I, 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 believe it or not, I had a preacher one time call me and said, You know, I, I, I'm, I'm talking to somebody about baptism, and he says, Is the Bible, does Jesus ever say that we need to be baptized? Did Jesus? I said, what about the Great Commission? Jesus told the disciples, go and baptize people. And I said, you can't do that if they're not willing to get baptized. And he went, oh my goodness. It's so easy sometimes to miss the things right in front of us, but Matthew 28, Christ commands us to go and baptize people. Number two, Christ was our example. Jesus was baptized, right? Matthew chapter 3, then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. So Jesus was baptized. As a matter of fact, it please, listen, if anybody ever did not need to get baptized, it was Jesus. Jesus was already, the Bible says in John chapter 3, he descended from the Father. 
He'd already been to heaven. He didn't need to be baptized to go to heaven. But here's what the father said. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He was pleased about it. And when, when John the Baptist protested to Jesus, Jesus said this. Now I've lost the wording. Thus it behooves me or something like that. I'm sorry, but here's what he literally said. To fulfill all righteousness. What did he mean by that? Jesus said, I have to fulfill all righteousness. There's, there's two types of righteousness. There's to be right with God, and there's to be right with our fellow man. If you're not right with your fellow man, you can't be right with God. The Bible says so. And so Jesus is saying, I'm already right with God. Was Jesus ever not right with God? He was already okay with God. He says, but I'm going to fulfill all righteousness. So he was baptized as a pattern or an example for us. And so sometimes we'll get people say, well, I don't know if I want to get baptized. Why not just fulfill all righteousness? Why not just make sure you're being right with God and being right with your fellow man? It's a picture and a testimony to them as well. It's a profession of faith. We ought to, if the Bible said to us, hey, uh, you ought to get baptized at least 100 times in your life, you ought to be thrilled to do it. I get to testify of my faith in Jesus Christ publicly a hundred times. Wonderful. And so it should not be a burden. And yet, I, I have no doubt it's a fearful thing. There's some people that are scared to get up there and get baptized in front of others. I understand that. And uh, sometimes I'll get up there and I'll say, do you want to say anything? <laughs> no. Adam Carson, that guy is a beast. He's big. He's muscular. And I said, hey, do you want to give a testimony? He says, no way. No way. Uh, matter of fact, I was recognizing soldiers on November 11th, and I, he, he wouldn't stand up. And on remembrance, he wouldn't stand up. And he served in New Zealand in the military. And I said, Adam. And he said, I knew you were going to call me. He did not want a part of it. So I understand sometimes our fear speaks, but it ought to be a joyful thing to testify that we know Jesus and that Jesus saved us. So Christ commands it. Christ was our example. And then we see the pattern that believers in the Bible practiced it. Acts 2.41, I've already read to you, 3,000 people got saved, and then they were baptized in just one day. So if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, and you've not yet been baptized, you should choose to be baptized as soon as you can. Now, look at Roman numeral 2. Here's a little bit more about the doctrine of baptism. Baptism should be by immersion. That means to be fully plunged. The word I don't, I don't know how anybody misses this. The word baptize literally means to plunge or to dunk, to put under. That's what it means. And so it's, it's just a very literal thing from the Bible. The, the word baptize comes from the, is an English word that has been anglicized. That means it hasn't been translated. Uh, the Greek word was baptizo, and they just said baptize. They just changed the O to an E. And so it wasn't a translation. They just brought it right into the language for us. And it means to plunge or to, to immerse. So the Bible teaches that you should be baptized in water by immersion rather than sprinkling or pouring, because baptism also is a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And so uh, when you bury somebody, you don't just throw a little dirt over them. You bury them. You put them under. Okay. So notice some Bible examples. Mark chapter 1, I think the... All these references are in your notes. I'll read it to you. Mark chapter 1, verse 9. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus came forth from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And straightway coming out of the water, 
he saw the heavens open and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. So picture what was going on. Jesus is being baptized, and the Bible says he came up out of the water. He came up out of the water. You, You can't get out of the water unless you're in the water. All right, so he was in the water and he came out. Acts chapter 8, uh, the passage that uh, we read about Philly, the uh, Ethiopian eunuch and Philip, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. I didn't get this far before. So Philip commands the chariot to stand still, and they went both down into the water. They were into the water. Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him, and they were come up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he was in his way rejoicing. So they both had to go into the water that Philip might be able to baptize him. If he just needed to sprinkle, he could just go down to the water's edge and get a cup. But he didn't. They both went into the water so that Philip could properly baptize him by immersion. If, if we were to have somebody here tonight that spoke fluent Greek, and they were to take the Texas receptors of the Greek manuscript, and they were to read these passages and translate them on the go... And you say, how do you know this? Because when I was in Bible college, there was a guy that was a Greek seminary student, and he came to our floor one night with a Greek Bible. And he was just reading it and translating as he went, and it was nearly word for word what I got, exactly. But when he read the word uh, baptizo, he said, he read, he said, and he immersed him. That was the word in the Greek. Baptizo means, because instead of anglicizing it, he translated it. And he said he immersed the Ethiopian into the water. So think about that. That's exactly the literal translation of the word. So other passages of Scripture that speak of baptism use the word buried to show that baptism in Bible days was always understood to be by immersion. Romans 6.4 is one of those. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Colossians 2.12, we are buried with him in baptism, wherein also we are risen uh, with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And then Roman numeral 3, baptism should take place soon after salvation. So the Bible pattern that we see is that baptism always took place right after salvation. It was an immediate and glad response of someone who found salvation and wanted to publicly identify with Jesus. Now, a lot of churches do it differently. There's a lot of churches that will say, well, you need to go through a four-week discipleship class, then you need to be baptized, and you need to understand it. And And I think in the day and age we live, there's a lot more Bible literacy than there was maybe back in that day. Now, they didn't have a Bible, but they had... The, the, the apostles preaching in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there might have been a lot more illiteracy back then and, and lack of understanding, uh, or more lack of understanding today, I should say, than back then. But that, that should not give us the excuse to shy away. Like I said, we, we have this little pamphlet. It doesn't take long to go through something like this and to understand how simple baptism is. We even put pictures in. And so to demonstrate it, and that it's just simply a profession of our faith. And so it should happen rather quickly after salvation. In Acts chapter 16, verse 30, you remember the story of the Philippian jailer. That night there was an earthquake, and Paul and Silas had been singing praises to God, and they, the earthquake came, and the angel opened the door, and they were able to leave if they wanted, but they stayed. And the, the jailer was so impressed, but they did not run off. He was about to kill himself. 
Because if he didn't, the Romans would. And so he said, he went into the prison and he brought them out. Acts 16, verse 30. And said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him of the word of God, or word of the Lord, and all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and his, straightway. So notice they were saved. He says, Paul just said simply, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then later on that night, they were baptized. And so it happened very quickly. In Acts chapter 2, we already read this verse twice already. They that gladly received his word were baptized. Uh, it should not be a burden if you truly know the Lord and want to follow him and obey him. And so you should be baptized rather quickly upon your salvation. Think about this. What if you got up there on the day you got married and they went to put that ring on you said, ah, I'll get married, but I'm not ready to wear that ring. I think that might halt the ceremony real quick. I think that would cause some problems. And I think when a, when a new believer says, I don't know if I want to be baptized, it's very similar. I, I don't want the symbol. I don't want the identification. And so we ought, to, we ought to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and say, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm going to be baptized. I'm going to identify with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. James chapter 4 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Don't let fear stop you. If you've never been truly baptized after you accepted Christ, after you accepted Christ. Several years ago, we had revival services here. And you might remember if you were here then, and we had a lot of people that night get stirred, and the Lord was working on people's hearts. And one was Amanda Baker. Amanda had professed faith as a, about a 12-year-old girl and was baptized at her church. But then when she was 15 or 16, she realized, I, I really wasn't saved. I didn't understand it all. I, you know. And she was at Camp Yes, and she accepted Christ as her Savior. But she said, I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want them to think I was a flake. I didn't want them to know that I had kind of been wishy-washy all those years. So she says, I was just glad I was saved and went on with it. But that night, the Lord said, you've never really been baptized. You got wet, but you weren't really saved. So that night in the middle of the service, she drove, she drove to my house and got clothes for Bethany to be baptized in. And she went to her house and got clothes, right during the service and came back and, and jumped in the, and got baptized that night on a Tuesday night because she realized uh, I had the, the cart before the horse here. I was baptized, and then I got saved. Salvation, or baptism is a profession of our faith. Now, a couple years ago, my wife and I went to visit a family, a young family that was interested in the church. And um, she had come from a Reformed background, Reformed Church of Canada. And it was a very, very strict Calvinist church in the sense that um, and when I say Reformed Church, I'm not putting them down. I'm just saying there's all, I mean, all kinds of broad spectrum there, right? Some teach this and some teach this. But this church in particular, they, if you went to the minister and this literally happened, you went to the minister and said, how, how can I know I'm saved? They, they would literally tell you, that's God's business. We don't mess with that. That's what a friend that went to that church told me literally happened when he was seeking salvation. 
The pastor did not know how to tell him how to be saved or felt like that's God's business. We don't mess with that. Uh, that's up to the Lord. And so uh, she had been baptized as a baby in the church and uh, lived her whole life like that. Her husband had been raised Mennonite. And uh, he, he had been baptized uh, when he was 12 years old, but it wasn't as a profession of faith. It was just to join the Mennonite church. When you get to a certain age, it's almost like confirmation. They'll just baptize you into the church. And, and you just have to say, uh, you go to the elders and say, I want to be baptized. I want to join the church. Well, then they baptize you. There's just no question. They baptize you. It doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. Whether, whether his, and, and there's, I learned when we were in Lancaster, there's like 3,000 different strains of Mennonite too. So it, it, you know, every church is different. And so we were talking to this family, and they were talking about coming, and they wanted to join the church and all this. And I said, well, tell me about your salvation. He said, well, I got, I got saved when I was about 19. And he told me, and it sounded like he understood salvation. And his wife, she gave us a testimony. And I said, well, tell me when you got baptized then. Well, I was, bapt she, I was baptized as a baby. And he was baptized as a 12-year-old. And I said, well, we would have to baptize you as a profession of your faith. And he got angry, didn't he, hun? He got angry. And you could see him seething. He didn't, he didn't do anything. He didn't get up. Like, I mean, he didn't take a swing at me or anything like that. But I could just, just see his, his blood was boiling. And uh, we just kept talking. And I said, listen, it's okay. I said, you, you can disagree. We can disagree. And we can still be friends. I said, I'm not. I'm not here to fight you. I said, just that's what we believe. And that's what we believe the Bible teaches. And I, I finally said this. I said, let me ask you. I said, when you got baptized at 12 years old, but didn't get saved till you were 19, and we believe baptism is a profession of our faith, what were you professing to at 12 years old? And it was like a light went on with his wife. Wasn't it, hun? She just totally changed. She went, oh. And you could see instantly she got it. He didn't. He was still upset. But immediately... She softened and she went, that's right. If you get baptized before you're saved, what are you professing to? And so she instantly understood it's a profession of our faith. And that's all baptism is. But it is also a matter of obedience. We are commanded to do it. Christ demonstrated it. And believers followed it in the early church. Peter baptized, well, oversaw the baptism of 3,000. I don't think he did them all. But he oversaw the baptism of 3,000 people that day. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand this important doctrine. Sometimes as Baptists, we forget just the very basic things that we believe. And I, I just help us as we go through this study to brush up on these different things that we can give an answer to other people as well. So, Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.